welcome to the Forever Classic Podcast, the podcast seeking enlightenment through video games, films, and other geek culture. I'm Zach, and with me today, as always, is Alex and Joe. Hello, that's me. Well, Joe. Yo. I'm half of that equation. I am Alex and Joe. I am two entities given form. That's me. What Ew. about this other guy? <laughs> you might be asking yourself how I got into this situation. Freeze frame. Cue the who. <laughs> Casually walks through, grabs a girl's slushy, and takes a sip out of it. Let me tell you. We just watched. So we fired up Community the other night, and it's the one where uh, Winger convinces the. Uh, oh, shoot. What is that character's name? Played by uh, Childish Gambino. What's his name? Donald Glover? Yeah, played by Donald Glover. So Don Donald Glover's Glover? character. Yeah. He, like, convinces him to be a football jock again, and so he starts acting like a jerk, and he walks in, and he's like, it's Troy time! Ha-ha! And he grabs a slushy. <laughs> <laughs> and the one girl's like, football's bad for you, dude! <laughs> the show's hysterical. I've watched a lot of comedy recently. Good stuff. I've really only watched Andor and Made in Abyss recently. Mm, well, speaking, speaking of comedy, <laughs> you can support us. The three of us and forever what we're doing here at forever classic games over on our patreon where you can give us money and currently we give you nothing but thanks the paypal is by <laughs> far the better way to do that right now right uh. so currently if uh if you're reading something on our site and you're like dang that was a real good read good job mm -hmm. zach or who larry or whoever you can scroll down go to their profile connected is their paypal and you can be like Here's a dollar or two or a hundred, however much you want to do. You can do that now on our website directly to the writers that you choose. But if you want to just support us as a whole, we do have a Patreon uh, and uh, we are always working on and discussing ways that we can sort of make that a more rewarding experience. But stay tuned for more news on that as things develop. Yeah, for now, the best way to do any sort of support is like sharing through social media, subscribing to our Twitch channel, making donations through PayPal, hitting that Patreon. Like, the the big thing right now is we have a lot more eyes on us than we have in a long time consistently, and we've got a lot of really good work on the website, and so that will continue. And we have a video review that we did recently, and that format seems pretty doable. We threw that together in like a week or two. And it was uh, something that, like, will work with other other games and formats and stuff. So what you're saying is, we see you. We see all yous peeping. Mm-hmm. Peeping at our we stuff. Do. We got stuff and to show And our next you. big thing is the Daddy Gamer Charity Especial. Well, by the time this airs, that will have happened. And, boy, I'll tell you, it had happened. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited for it, man. I hope... Hopefully, future us has a good time. <laughs> <laughs> it should be great. Um, no, I I picked up the tabletop terrain for the tabletop RPG game, and it is so incredible. This this artist did such a good job. Uh, I'm actually gonna look them up real quick. Yeah, what's I wanna, the name of I wanna, the artist and or company? I want to shout them out because they absolutely deserve it for everything that they've done. Uh, Tuck Tucks Trinkets and Terrain. Um, mm. So if you just search them on like Instagram and stuff, you can find them there. Uh, they have an Etsy shop where you can order, like they have like these bundles 
like a dungeon bundle where it comes with like a bunch of dungeon tiles and some doors and pillars and stuff to like set up for like Dungeons and Dragons or any other like tabletop based game. Or even if you just want to make like some sort of mini set or like scene or whatever it is you might want to do with it. Uh, but it looks amazing. And uh, I guess at this point I can sort of talk about what the plan is because you could. it will have already happened by the time. And you guys have seen the picture, but as a part of the one shot that I, I, I run during the charity marathon, the town gets attacked by a giant duck. And I have an actual, like, wooden duck decoy. So it's like a life-size duck, but it's in this miniature set. And it is hilarious. It is like the things that you would see that Jimmy Neutron's dad collecting. Like, that kind of duck. Uh, And I haven't done it yet, but uh, you'll see on the stream, I'll I'll be adding fangs to it. And, like, angry eyebrows. (laughs) Literally. Uh, But... That And so planning for this and getting ready for this has taken up a lot of my time. Um, but it hasn't stopped me from geeking out about a few things. But why don't you guys Ooh. start us off? Zach, why don't you start us off with what you've been geeking out about? Uh, lately, I've been de- geeking out about a couple of things. Um, mm. Andor, primary yes. show. It's been very so good. good. It's very kind of a slow burn. So you've got to come in with the taste for that because a lot of people are not into the slower pacing of it, but it's like very, very nice. This um, is fascinating to me because um, I don't like it. <laughs> you're I, you're wrong. It is easily the best produced, best written thing Star Wars has ever done. I could be wrong. That's fine. It, <laughs> I would love to be wrong. It is, it is definitely one of the best. But I will say, I do have to be in a particular mood to watch it. I didn't watch it for a while because I was like, I don't know if I feel like watching a more serious sci-fi like spy thriller right now. And so I could see if you're not in that mindset. Yeah. Or if you're like expecting more high adventure like Star Wars typically is, then I could see you not liking it. My biggest criticism right now is so many scenes kind of feel wasted. Like, it seems like there's a lot of sections where characters will just talk, but they won't accomplish anything, and they won't really say anything either. It'll be things that, like, we already know or that they already know as characters. And so they're just, like, burning screen time. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) We've already been in this location. It's not a new location. It's just people having conversations for the sake of it. And so that's my biggest criticism of it, but... Um, what else are you guys even liking about it uh i love that the story is the this is not the rebellion yet that (laughs) it's like the the building blocks of it because everything's always been all this stuff rebellion and like going and this is the like this is how the rebellion started like everything's been about you know all these people fighting for good and all these united planets and then all these jedi and like extra wandering like super badasses but then like it kind of skips over and glosses over a lot of the like it was a lot of smugglers doing some questionable shit that got this rebellion like started and this is the Mm -hmm. bullshit that happened to make it happen i do like the moral ambiguity of all of it yeah because the like the star wars universe has like the smugglers aren't necessarily bad but they are definitely not good 
in all cases. Like, Han Solo is a weird exception because he did a lot of dumb, bad shit. Right. But in the end, he he worked towards a good goal while having done a bunch of bad stuff. He basically was someone, a smuggler who turned over his, like, turned himself over into a whole new person. Well, he became a general. Yeah. but It's literally get... a story arc. But he, uh... But... Well, then he kind of, like, did some more stuff, which is alluded to in Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, I mean, it's the, uh, like you were saying, moral ambiguity, very, very interesting for me. I love the gray area with people in shows. I will say the set design in particular, and all the costuming and, like, the gadgets and stuff is, like, peak Star Wars right now in Andor. That stuff looks very much like world realized in its own uh, logic, and I think that's super cool. But yeah. man, it just feels like sometimes I watch an episode and I go, "What even happened?" But other times I watch an episode and like Andy Circus is leading a prison break, and I'm like, "This is great." <laughs> right, but it takes like so e- the the way that it's like paced is it's in each story in the series is in three episode chunks. So you mm-hmm. you have the first three episodes and it ends on a, like a super high cra- like crazy note and some suspense. And then you get the next three, but I think that it's treating those those three chunks and the series as a whole as opportunity to tell a story long form. I think literally every other Disney Plus show has tried to fit some sort of story into every single little episode. And so, and while carrying an overarching narrative to each thing, each episode has sort of a structure to it to tell the story of that episode. Andor is not like that. You maybe maybe the reason you feel unfulfilled by an episode is because the story isn't done in that episode. The story is right. done in episode three, and I'm yeah. enjoying that a lot. Like them now, see, changing the up the pacing. The first three episodes, I think, launched all at once, which I thought was a, a good way to do it. Because by the end of episode three, I think even me and you watched those together at the time. Like that was that was like a you know it was a complete idea and it was raising the stakes and all that. Yeah. But the other reason that I'm not a big fan of Andor is there's not a lot of alien stuff going on. It's like primarily a human <coughs> cast. Well, and yeah. I think that's kind of a downfall for like what Star Wars is. Like it doesn't feel like a Star Wars thing. It feels like every other espionage story it just takes place in star wars normally i would be 100 percent agreeing with you because i have said for a long time and i've had these conversations with you star wars mm-hmm. needs more aliens but this is the one time where i'm like eh, that kind of makes sense there isn't a lot of aliens because you don't send a rodian into undercover at an empire imperial like base well, sure, they're yeah, gonna because get, the Imperials are mostly human because they're, gonna they're fascists. Get, and, yeah, they're gonna yeah. get they're gonna get kicked out, caught immediately. So, in order right. for the like them to be undercover and for them to be this like to get away from it and to not be on the Empire's radar, they have to be human. That's true. Like, I do that's like the, that's the, the one few t- scenes where the aliens are involved. Like, there's an early run in with Cassian and somebody who he owes money to or something. And that looks like a real alien. Like the way they made that that structure, that suit, is Super very good. very good. Mm-hmm. That and the only other thing I really enjoy about the show is the dumbass that gets fired and then gets hired oh. again. He's he's the guy just... who looks like the main character of Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he is just a walking train wreck, and every time mm-hmm. he's on scene, I'm like, he's gonna do. He he's going to be the problem. 
and it's never, never, that's never been an answer yet. I'm like, I'm waiting for the like Hannibal Lecter turn of him being like this super ridiculous serial killer or something, or like really changing things in a way that's negative for the party. I'm very excited to see where the series ends, but I do know that we're getting a second season, so I kind of assume that it's just gonna like leave us with something to think about. I yeah, I think I think I read that it starts filming today or tomorrow. The second season? Yeah. Wow. That's so they're like, quick. yeah. I, it's one of those things, like, I'm really, really enjoying it, but I don't want them to, like, run it into the ground. Let them tell yeah. the story and be done with it. Don't try to fit even more in. And I'm a little worried mm-hmm. that that's what it's going to be. But at the same time, it's apparently not getting the viewership that other shows that recently came out were getting. But it's of the three, like, big ones. I would say, like, Rings of Power, the new Game of Thrones show. Oh, House of the Dragon, or Dragons. or And Andor. I haven't watched Rings of Power or House of the Dragon, but from what I'm reading from people who have watched all three, Andor is the better written show and better acted. And so, Mm -hmm. like... So truth be told, out of the three, I've started all of them, and I've only continuously been watching Andor. Ooh, chips. Thank you. <laughs> so, like, in terms of, like, it might get eventually get the viewership because of word of mouth. I really hope it comes out on Blu-ray, honestly. Like, I think this is the type of show that if it becomes lost media or unavailable, it's a huge loss. Yeah, that's the that's the downside of today's media market, right, is all these shows mm-hmm. just st- stay on their like respective streaming platform. Yeah. I just got a Blu-ray of one of the Ultraman seasons at Best Buy for like 10 bucks in a steel book. And I'm like, this is a fantastic release. And all they did was just collect all the stuff and put it on a disc and then put effort into the way the disc was presented and maybe throw in some special features. Like that's really valuable work in my opinion. All right. Well, this wasn't supposed to be a deep dive into Andor. Sorry, Zach. (laughs) No, no, you're good. I mean, it crossed for both of us, so it's like yeah. So that yeah, we we both uh, we both did that. So well, I guess feelings. (laughs) I guess we'll have Alex share something then, since that technically counted for both of us. I mean, speaking of feelings, I won't touch on this too much, but God of War Ragnarok continues to be freaking compelling and fantastic, and I've been spacing it out between other like review projects and smaller games. And I absolutely want to get back to that world as much as I can to the point where I'm like, if you leave me alone for like two days, I'll finish it. <laughs> but I'll do nothing but that, right? Like, this is this is the, the worst timing to start a new job is when you have this sick new video game to play. <laughs> right. And I, well, I guess I haven't told the public yet, but by the time this comes out, I should be a couple weeks into this position. But I'm, I'm working in games PR now. So I should be playing more games, you would assume. <laughs> and thank goodness the the group that I've joined has some of the coolest indies under their belt out of any other PR studio. And that's part of the reason why I reached out to them to begin with. And so I, I'm really looking forward to doing more of that work. But yeah, God of War Ragnarok is very, very good. Um, the Completely funny thing is, is I keep playing games in that genre. And I don't know what to call that genre yet, except for maybe like cinematic acting, action adventure. I'd say that'd be the best way to describe it. It's like Uncharted. It's a, a Plague Tale, God of War, MGS4. Last of Us. Now Evil West, which came comes out by the time this is out, it'll be out. Uh, also very much inspired by God of War. There's several like The Last of Us. Obviously, is another big one. 
it's it's all like clearly like somebody in the money spending side of video game production with big dollars has noticed the uptick and been like we can make one of those <laughs> and for the most part they are and they're most of them are good well it's i think not outstanding i think it's the response to you know think about five to eight years ago when open world was yeah became mm-hmm. so entrenched in like every game had to be open world but then right. people were like, this is too much. I I can't explore this whole world. I, I need a more curated experience. And so they sit down and play Uncharted or The Last of mm-hmm. Us. And they're like, wow, what an I was able to finish that game in 14 hours. And I loved every minute of it. It was exciting and, and right. fun. And I think Sony has been one of the biggest champions of the like single player like narrative experiences absolutely just in general like they've really taken the idea of when you get a sony exclusive on the playstation you're gonna have a personal experience and i think that that's games at its best often and like shout outs to the people who made god of war ragnarok like not only did they build upon what they made but they also built upon the actual storytelling side which all of the other imitators have kind of done and and like recognized which in turn has made most of these games hit for me like i i've liked all of them that i've played so far i really liked both of the plague tale games and evil west is by the same publisher focus entertainment and it's also very good and very competently made for for the most part um but the big thing that's interesting is like there are certain mechanical things where you'll like jump over a chasm or you'll squeeze through a gap or you'll be doing like these open landscape shots or something like a lot of it's starting to feel familiar to the point that it's hard for developers to surprise me who's played a lot of this stuff but god of war ragnarok continues to surprise me as a fan of that genre that it kind of like uh rocketed into the stratosphere right yeah it's a weird like situation like i can play one of these and be like oh this is like a god of war yeah my biggest i guess my biggest praise of god of war ragnarok so far is i'm i'm way more like rewarded for Mm -hmm. switching back and forth between the blades and the axe they in, really did an awesome job with the in combat. the original, like in 2018, God of War. I was either using the axe or using the blades. In this mm-hmm. game, I feel much more like encouraged to switch between them during the fight. Yep. So I will like launch, like launch the blades out, drag a guy in, and then switch to the axe for like a power hit. And there's perks, I think, that encourage that and yeah. make that easier to do. The axe will do more damage to someone who's on fire, which I, happens I with the blades. I was so. talking about this recently, but it's kind of like, you know how whenever you're playing Bayonetta or Devil May Cry, it's all about the characters doing these really cool acrobatic stunts and flipping and winging stuff around? In God of War, your weapons do that, and you stay kind of like in position, which is a fascinating change-up to the mm. whole dynamic. Yeah, that's true. I guess I never really thought about it that way. My main criticism of God of War so far is a lot of the basic enemies kind of all feel pretty similar, but they do, like, change up the the way you approach fights. And the other thing that kind of bogs me down is there's so many things that you can do in a fight, and Evil West suffers from this as well, that it gets kind of finicky. 
So you're like juggling all these different actions and be like, oh, I'm going to hit the shotgun. Oh, whoops, that was the flamethrower. And you know, that now I'm mobbed by these guys because <laughs> the game expects you to be on top. And that's where the Kingdom Hearts 2 Triangle Command comes in to be the perfect fit to fix. <laughs> mm -hmm. Context-sensitive buttons. I'm going to yes. push a triangle to do a cool thing. <laughs> It'd be great. Dude. Batman did the same thing. But I, I like that of God of War and Evil West both encourage like a certain skill set. Like it is really satisfying when you get it right. And I know that people are gonna like step into any game of this particular type of like melee cinematic action adventure thing. And people who are skilled will do really, really well at it, like they would a character action game. And that's that's exciting. And for the most part, like, even if you're baseline decent at the combat in either of these games like you'll do fine you'll make it through the end you'll see the credits it's totally cool but it will continue to challenge you and they're well made well crafted experiences yeah i will say one of my criticisms of the game is the game is simultaneously holding my hand and constantly i'm still not understanding where it wants me to go there are times where I like run into that as much, but I a, get what you're talking about. It could be it could be just me, but Atreus will be like, "You go, over, we. It looks like we need to get hey, up there." Listen, like literally, like they'll be like, yeah. "Hey, I think we need to get up there," and I'm like, and they're pointing up over there, and so I'm at the bottom of this hill or whatever, trying to figure out, okay, wh where am I looking? But I'm supposed to go way over there to the left and climb up and around, but. Because Atreus pointed out where I wanted to go, I assumed that's where I was supposed to be looking. And so the game messes with that a little bit later on, where there's a section where you join another character, and you, if you're a player like me who explores and you go run around grabbing treasure chests and stuff, the the two characters will be like, "Where's he going?" Yeah, <laughs> and Atreus is like, "He's just really thorough. It's fine." <laughs> <laughs> he really likes loot. <laughs> yeah, it's but good. that's the big two that I've been playing, and you know, building off Plague Innocence, this like cinematic action genre that's everywhere now apparently, and I keep playing them. Uh, those are the ones I've been spending the most time with. Yeah, I'll I'll quickly run through the the next couple things on my my list that I've been doing this week. Um, mm -hmm. I finally took. Uh, Alex's recommendation and checked out Chainsaw Man. I'm on like episode three or four. Loving yeah. it. Uh, it's not like I, there's a couple of other podcasts that I listen to that have also recommended it recently. And I'm like, all right, I'll at least watch episode one or two just to like see what, where it starts. And now I'm watching like an episode a night just to like, yep. it's just great. The, some of the animation, it's some of the, the wildest, uh, like stories. I think it's called, uh, if I remember correctly, it's called Straightforward Animation Run Cycle that I've ever okay. seen in animation. So there, there's two different like philosophies in, in animation, and one of them is like straight aheads and then keyframing. Keyframing mm -hmm. is where you plot out these key moments, and then you in between, so you, you, you make a drawing one and drawing two. And then you fill in the 30 frames in between them right. for a, a, a smoother animation. But sometimes you get a more frantic, more natural energy out of straight ahead where you don't plan it. You just draw the next drawing. 
I know exactly what you're talking about, and I can, can I can think of scenes where that's an example. There are run cycles in this game where, like, Chainsaw Man's sprinting up a tentacle to punch a worm demon in the face. And his his energy is so frantic and so just, like, in the moment. It, it's, it's very fitting and some of the best examples of talented straight-ahead animation I've ever seen. That so also if, really supports that character really well. Mm-hmm. That's also true. Yep. <laughs> there's a lot of debate right now. Well, I guess there's some debate. I wouldn't say a lot. Twitter is not representative of the world, but there is debate about the use of CGI in anime. And I would argue that Chainsaw Man is some of the best like blending of CGI and traditional that I have seen in a very long time since Promare, actually, which was a feature film. But I... it's every episode. <laughs> I'll say that I had not even spotted CG in the in Chainsaw Man yet, and usually I'm Funny. very e- like able to spot it. Granted, some- every time he transforms, that's CG, baby. <laughs> and sometimes I just don't. Sometimes I'm not like closely watching it. I'm just sort of like yeah. have it on while I'm like doing something else. But yeah, like the fact that it's blended in so well that it's not garish. Mm-hmm and obvious is really really telling of how far it's come it's it really elevates the manga like the manga is fantastic but the animation is just like this herculean feat it's super impressive every ending is different it's so crazy how much they fit into like a 22 minute time slot yeah there's a there's a lot of work gone into it and it's it's really incredible and worth at least taking a look at it is mature rating and it does it's deal, graphic it does deal with a lot of like body horror and like mm-hmm. like other horror elements and sexual elements too but if that's something that you're okay with viewing then we recommend it so that'll lead me <laughs> into what else i've been very into and that is made in abyss season two okay this is going to be interesting because it's a very deceptive character design i think very. If you've ever oh, seen, cool. if you've ever seen any of the previews for it, have either of you all watched it? No, I, I, I mean I've but seen it's like been recommended to me. I've seen you, the logo because <laughs> I like things that like subvert that sort of stuff, like Madoka Magica. Yes. I think is really compelling, and so if it's so, like that, I'm in. So Maiden Abyss is, is like you take like the darkness of Madoka Magica, how dark it is in the undertones. That you can apply that to Maiden Abyss, and then you can crank it up like three or four levels. Mm. And it's not constant, but like when stuff goes down, it's like, nah, this is the shit that would happen. Because these is are a it bunch. Comparable to Promised Neverland, or is it more fucked up? <laughs> uh, it's really fucked up uh, because Great. it's like because it's like very monstrous. Um, and okay, it's, cool. The main characters are kids. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times that they get, like, fucked up because they are doing some shit that adults can't do. Uh, And it's not because they're amazing at it. It's just because they're like, fuck it. I'm going. It's a fantasy world, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, fairly early on, like, the show bases around, like, a big hole that goes down to question mark because nobody can come back from it. So it's this pit, this abyss. And you learn pretty early on that there's a curse. So as you go down, once you start ascending, if you ascend incorrectly, you're hit with a curse, which uh, in the early levels, 
mm-hmm. they divide it up into like different kind of levels. Um, it makes you really sick, will make you pass out, you'll be in like horrible pain. But after a certain level, it can just kill you. Like you take two steps vertically the wrong direction and you can just die. Oh. So like descending is very much like I have to continue to go down only. So the the world is forcing people down. When they're in the abyss. Oh, okay. Only in the abyss. Outside, it's just like regular world. Sounds a little bit like a setup to something you might see in, like, Tower of Draga or any of the, like, the isekais where there's, like, a central location that is a bunch of different things in a row. Feels like an interesting Dungeons & Dragons setting. Mm-hmm. Like, you just have to keep ascending or descending down into this but it's uh, thing. It's, it's really lighthearted because they're kids. Like they're they're fairly right. mature children, but they're still children. Like very very much children. It's like a child and her like robot child friend. Mm. And then like the new season includes like some more stuff that happens with the curse that will like spoil shitloads of it so I can't really even talk about it. <laughs> um but they get Is another there... character associated with it. Is there, like, a satisfying end to the first season? Because I know this is something that is ongoing, correct? It's ongoing. There, uh, It ends at a good spot. Like, it ends at a point okay. where they, like, can pick right up on the next part of the adventure, which is how season two starts. Well, kind of. Season two kind of starts with, like, a flashback and then, like, to stuff that was, like, way before the show. Mm-hmm. And then comes back to it. Because, like, the season two opens with, like, stuff about the founding of the Abyss. Like, when people first found it. Hmm. Now there's a video game for this, and judging by your pitch, you would never know. <laughs> so I hope the game captures that tone, because I don't know if it does. I'm not sure it can. <laughs> Reading it is... It's super graphic, too. Like, all the, like, horror is not, like, lightly graphic, and there's some, like, stuff. I mean, it's, like, super body horror painted like on Junji kid pastel. level berserk. Yeah. Chainsaw Man. Very much berserk levels of oh, okay. of like body horror and like mm. terrible things happen. So it's painted on pastel kid collars and then it's like berserk bad. But it's a very good story that it's like it feeds you just enough to go to the next piece. And it's just like watching a whole like I'll say like watching a train wreck, but it's like these. It's like watching these kids. You're just waiting for the next bad thing to happen to them. Hmm. So you're always on edge. Yeah. I, I checked the Shonen app to see if it was on Shonen Jumps, just like manga delivery service, which is how I read most of my manga, just because it's two dollars, and I'm like, it's you know fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I keep up with Chainsaw Man, Kaiju Number Eight, Dragon Ball, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Outside of that, I've been fascinated with some Minecraft recently, trying to work on making a server and learning how to do that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've been playing a D&D campaign of Curse of Strahd. Yeah. Which has been very interesting. You weren't here when we talked about that, but I read an old book from the early 90s about Curse of Strahd that I have on my shelf. And it was it was very much a regular-ass vampire story. <laughs> and I've been running a Curse of Strahd campaign. Uh, we meet yeah. once a month, and it's been a lot of fun. Did you all start off in the death house? No, but they've done it. We we did the death house and only like three of us walked out. I feel like I played the death house in a one shot or something. It's a mess. <laughs> no, they got Dude. they got real close, but they like 
they lost a player character session one when Strahd ca- came up and cast Blight on someone. So, <laughs> but and then as far as current geeking, I got two more things I want to bring up, and then if we want to move on, we can. Go bonkers. Um, but I've got the Backbone controller right now, which is that thing you like slot your phone into, and it like. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that it was ninety nine dollars and decided I didn't want it. I don't know if I would recommend it over some of the other options, specifically for using your phone for, like, remote play or something, but it works pretty well. It's just, it's you have to take your phone out of the case, probably, and because of that, it's really hard to recommend, because then you're, like, taking your phone out of your case, it's got its, you know, guts to the wind, or whatever you want to call it, like, it's very exposed and weird feeling. But once it's in there, it's fine, and it works, and, like, I was able to stream from my PS5 and HDR even, and that's kind of cool. And I have you know a very basic router that I got with the internet service, but for the most part, it's been how I've been playing. Like if Gina's watching you know, whatever TV show, and I can be like, oh, I'll just continue my game and pick up some like loot or something. Like I try not to do very intensive gaming on it, but I tried playing fights in Evil West, which are pretty intensive, and I'm suffered like i made it through <laughs> it was fine i didn't do as well but you know it's it would be great for basic rpgs but the uh, the other anime that i've been kind of fascinated with is bleach is back after like a 10 year hiatus yes and it's the last arc of the manga which is done and it's been done <clears throat> it's very good and from what i've been seeing uh a lot of the anime is really going almost pain for pain of the manga. Yeah, which is, I, I haven't, so I caught up to the manga recently, uh, just like, you know, flashing through, refreshing myself about the Fullbring arc and all that stuff. Um, Bleach, I still don't think is something I would recommend to most people, but the character design is like top notch. And the way he draws his characters are, is really cool. But the thing about the new Bleach anime is it's like a step above traditional shonen week to week. It's painful to watch week to week, but there are cool moments. But this last episode, uh, at least the the last major fight, was between the 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 captain of the court guards, Yama, Yamada or whatever his name is, the fire guy, and it was one of the coolest fights I have seen in anime. Like it was stunning. Oh man, Captain Yamato, his fights. I haven't seen the animation of it, but I remember reading it, and it was super crazy. You're going to love the If you go back through and watch, like, what's available now, because that was last week's episode, and I was like, holy crap. Like, I was kind of like, eh, on Bleach for a while, and I don't know what happens in the Thousand Year War arc. I just, I never read it. And so now I'm like, oh, I'm in, because they really put some effort into that fight. I, I loved it more than I loved any other parts of the show. It was very good. There's just some like there was some jarring stuff for the manga that they hope I hope they like expand with the anime. Like they get to take the okay. little moment and make it bigger, or like touch in some stuff in between. Because it was just like I don't know why this has happened. Like I can't right. quite put my finger on it because there's enough information if I go back to kind of like get some decent guesswork. But I don't. It doesn't make a ton of sense. But that I also felt was partially contributed to. He fucking rushed the end of the manga. That's true too. It was a really weird, like production cycle. I hear, I heard that was you know it ended the way it ended because of 
varying issues and stuff. I hopefully it ended okay. But uh oh, yeah, the, it, the it big downfall okay, the big downfall of Bleach is that there's just so many characters. It's kind of like Naruto. Like once you get to a point you're just too far into the weeds that what what does anything matter? What <laughs> characters have grown? Like the other thing that I was reading in manga is there's this new side story in Naruto that stars Sasuke after the events of Shippuden, I think. And he's like running around and there he's on a mission and all of a sudden, literally the blue raptor from Jurassic World comes around the corner and attacks him. And I'm like, what is even happening in Naruto anymore? <laughs> like, it's literally got the stripe down its back. It looks like he, like the, the mangaka or whoever, like, specifically worked on this story was like, oh, that raptor was really cool. What if he fought Sasuke? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the whole premise of the manga so far. It's really weird. <laughs> uh, the... The last thing on my list is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Picked up a copy yep. for me and my daughter, and we've been having a blast doing raid battles, exploring the world actually together rather than just sitting next to each other. Is That's a really way more fun than I thought it was going to be. Like I was looking forward to it, but now that we're actually doing it, it's just a blast. Like riding our motorcycle Pokemon next to each other through the world, and like, I'll like. My daughter thinks it's hilarious that when I'm in a fight to run my Pokemon over, like just flies through the screen, <laughs> like nothing happens, but it's just, right. it's just funny, like visually, cause you're in the middle of this intense Pokemon battle and a motorcycle just like runs you over. That's incredible. I haven't started it yet. I bought it, uh, last night. Um, and the reason that I picked it up for one was to, you know, play with you guys uh, a lot of my new coworkers are playing it, so it's a very easy excuse to just connect with them immediately. And then we're also planning on doing a new review series podcast where we do what we've always talked about, where we sit down and we actually like discuss a game that everybody has played, and we give it a score at the end, and then we stick to those scores. So if like a writer is writing the review, he's got to give the scores that is going into the actual review. And so that's that's how we're going to start calculating some of these bigger releases that we're all going to get anyways. Um, hopefully we'll kind of like flop it around like in my head it's like oh a big modern release and then maybe an indie and then maybe a retro and then we just like flop between those cycles so we play maybe a game a month two perhaps i don't know we'll see where it goes but justin's really excited about it we've talked about it here plenty of times so it'll be a really fun exercise and yeah. despite, pokemon's rough i hear but <laughs> despite fun. some of its <laughs> glaring performance issues yeah i'm still having a lot of fun with it because like I guess to counter the a lot of the like backlash it's getting from the gaming community, um, gameplay is what matters, and Pokemon isn't a game where the gameplay is overly impacted that much by some low frame rates or some bad art direction. That said, if this game runs significantly better in an emulator i do know it's possible to move your save to the emulator and i will do that <laughs> fair enough <laughs> if they're like if we're three months in and there's still not a patch to stabilize the frame rate and remove the majority of the bugs but the emulator has i'm jumping ship to emulator i own the game <laughs> but at the same time a lot of the bugs are really entertaining <laughs> really that's, funny that's what i'm excited to like there's something to be said about seeing things in a really broken state so, yeah i don't know zach did you have anything else to add real no, quick before we get into me. our main topic alex i'm good man let's All right. uh let's so, start slinging some webs recently 
Black Panther Wakanda Forever hit movie theaters, I think like two mm-hmm. weeks ago, which uh, at this point in time, only the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is left in phase four. But as far as the movies go, MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, phase four is complete. And we thought this would be a good good time to maybe talk about our impressions, highlights, surprises, things that maybe mm-hmm. let us down, our expectations and ex- predictions for phase five and moving forward. And the big reason that we have the ability to speak on this is while we haven't talked about it a lot, all three of us, for the most part, have kept up with Marvel through all the television movies, all the shows, all the movies, and pretty much anything related to the MCU I just jump into because at the base level, I find them entertaining. There's a lot of criticisms about it, and we'll get into that, but this is why we're coming together now because, like, we've seen it all. Mostly. And, I mean, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. And for a quick I have re- not. <laughs> <laughs> but a, a quick refresher for those listening, because even I had to look it up to remember mm-hmm. what Phase 4 was. The movies were Black Widow, Shang-Chi, The Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange in the multi- Multiverse of Mad- Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, and Black Panther Wanda- Wakanda Forever. And then the TV shows, WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. And then there were two specials, One is Out, Werewolf by Night, and then the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. That is all of Phase 4. And it's wild to me that the list of TV shows is longer than the list of movies. And it's also weird to think, and we had this conversation earlier today on Discord, but the new Venom movie technically fits, and so does Morbius, even though they're not, like, a listed part of Phase 4. Yeah. Those characters are within this universe, so they're within the MCU. There's some crossover, but they're Mm -hmm. not, like, in the MCU. Right. But this is the problem, Joe, because for this phase in particular, characters like that are introduced or connected and now all of a sudden I have to go back and figure out, like, what do I need to watch to be completely engrossed in this storyline? Which was fine for Venom, because I had already seen the, the Tom Hardy Venom. But when Daredevil shows up, I was like, oh no. <laughs> There's like three seasons of that. Uh, but it's, it's one of those cameos, too, where it's just sort of, he's there. Yeah. If you know, you know. If you don't. You're not missing a lot, or you might I think have getting an idea. A, a general like, like a flavor of Daredevil, <clears throat> rather than like a broken down ingredients list of Daredevil, and then using that to write. Right? Like, I'm sure there'll be callouts for fans of the show, and I look forward to people being excited about that. But I tried to watch Daredevil, and maybe one of these days I'll get through it. And it's just, it's not for me, man. Like, I like the new Batman, and it's similar in tone, but I, I can't get around Murdoch. He's fine, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I thought the show was amazing. I was There's bummed good moments when it, in it for sure. I was bummed when it was over, but it's got some of the best like fight scenes. Just, just down and dirty fight scenes that you just like in a in a media climate where all of our superheroes have these amazing powers and everything's so clean yeah. cut and just like lightning blast over here, laser beams and and big punches. It's just in the end. 
while he does have some superpowers, he's kind of still just a regular dude who's really good at beating the crap out of people and getting the crap beaten out of. True. Like, yeah. And so when, you know, halfway through the fight, you see him like struggling to stand up and he's still got eight dudes to fight. Like it, it, it's a contrast to what we were seeing in MCU at the time. Right. It is in it is interesting immediately because of that contrast. But I I guess we should have prefaced this whole thing. We're gonna spoil everything in phase four. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yeah. That's character cameos, the the final scenes after credits, between credits, the asides, anything related to MCU has the potential for spoilage. Um we didn't even mention Deadpool. Deadpool's apparently a part of it now too. But he's not in phase but- four. He hasn't shown up yet right. in a medium. We just know he's going to be returning with Hugh Jackman, and it's going to be a part of the MCU yep. by association, much like Venom. So, interesting, MCU Phase 4 launches with Black Widow, which is primarily a prequel yeah. to Phase 4. Because, you know, Black Widow's dead at this point. And it's literally just setting up her replacement, I guess, is sort mm-hmm. of the, the goal of the movie. And I've rewatched this movie a couple of times. I like it. I think it's a fun, just sort of spy action thriller. Does it have some dumb moments? Yes. But I also actually read and love comic books. So I love dumb shit. <laughs> that is accurate. There is dumb stuff in comics. And if you're here for it, the MCU has it now in spades. I think the main reason Black Widow is not remembered very fondly is it, it was in a weird, like, they planned this movie years ago, and it just never came to fruition, right? Kept and getting so delayed when they and finally delayed put delayed. it out, it was kind of like a broken mess of what it used to be, which is kind of fitting for the Black Widow character. And then, of course, like, we all know Black Widow's dead. And so it's like, okay, we're not, we're now not paying attention to pretty much anything that she does. We're really only looking at the characters around her who might live on beyond this moment or come into other films. And so that was probably the most disappointing to me out of all of these. Um, but it's still, like you said, it's a fine enough spy movie. I do like the character setup for her replacement a lot. Uh, I cannot remember the little girl's name. I always mess it up. She's uh, great. Yeah, yeah. no, I she's, like her she's a lot. awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love her in Hawkeye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. She's really funny. The relationship that they, like, established Black Widow's, like, relationships throughout her life that aren't the Avengers. And I think that's a really interesting aspect of the character, is True. how True. she interacts with some of these other people in, directly involved in the spy business, which is something outside of Hawkeye we haven't really seen before up to this point and her relationship and her like the way she bounces off of her sister uh yelena is that's her name so good and it really endears you to yelena and the other the other thing that uh black widow alludes to is the possibility of us getting a dark avengers true or it's looking like it's going to be the thunderbolts based off of upcoming movie announcements right right but it's kind of the same concept is they're kind of it's basically marvel's suicide squad is the superheroes are too good to do they won't do this mission because Mm -hmm. it's too shady it's too shady but also they're too high profile (laughs) 
Like Speaking you, of you the don't send squad. you don't send Thor undercover. <laughs> I, I don't even want to talk about these two works in in great length because I think we've mentioned them in the past. But Peacemaker is my favorite comic show that they've done in recent memory. It is brilliantly funny. It is super cool. It's violent and crass when it needs to be. And uh, every single actor and actress in that show kills it. Like, that is a great comic book show. The Suicide Squad is a very funny, like, fun graphic movie. So those two in tandem, I think, is a really fun time. It's weird because, like, DC, on the opposite end of this, have, like, had two or three really exceptional films. And then everything else is still just kind of middling, like, <laughs> you know, most things on that side. Yeah, maybe maybe Marvel fans have just been spoiled by just, like, some peak media. But I think... Phase now four, it's getting different. Yeah, phase four, I think, is more settling into, like, we're we're no longer at this high point. There's the rebuilding into the whatever the next high point is going to be. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, after seeing Black Widow, I think like last July, a couple months later, Shang Chi came out, and we, you and yep. I went and saw it, and I walked out of that movie stoked. It was so much fun. Shang Chi was super cool. Shang Chi was so fun. Like the bus fight was super cool and creative. The f just straight up kaiju monsters fighting each other over like yeah. a medieval battle is super cool. All the like Chinese myth was super cool. All the monsters. An uh, underground fighting ring where Wong is fighting abomination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which comes up again in She Hulk, and it's a great like arc and connection to that show. Yes. <laughs> Wong's fantastic. And Wong he just like him just showing up. And being tired looking Wong. What's that woman he runs around with? Madeline? Is that her name? Oh, the drunk Madis college Madison. girl? Madison. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite character. Madison with a Y, but it's not where you think. And she's like drunk all the time. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, but, you know, like the setup with... I think Shang-Chi has a lot of potential. Because it, it mm -hmm. ends with Wong showing up and being like, there's some, there's some stuff happening and we need you. And then I also really liked, uh, is it, is it Katie? Oh, his, uh, his friend, co-actress in that. Yeah. yeah. Aquafina. Yeah, no, she's character. Fun. I thought she mm -hmm. was great. Like she's she, really funny too. She's like my favorite moments with her. And like, she like looks up and she's like, where's your shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or she like suddenly like starts singing the lyrics to hotel California. My fate so the the whole phase I think has one particular strength that kind of helps it like elevate some of the weak sides. This is the most diverse the MCU has ever been. And that is really cool to me. We get a Bollywood style dancing in Eternals. We get the whole like situation with uh Miss Marvel like Wakanda forever for like this is such a like collection of like different types of people and it's really cool to see the mcu kind of like branch out of what's quote-unquote safe and easy right like they could cater to another thor or whatever but they chose to do uh natalie portman characters jane as a thor and that was a really cool way to to add some flavor to the general cast and well and that's also like something that happened in the comics too so people were like wondering sure, yeah. if they were gonna do it and, and thank God comics have always been, like, at the cusp of, you know, political 
uh, writing and adding diversity and making sure characters are fairly deep. Which while is also ironic considering dumb, stupid stuff. Yeah, which is ironic <laughs> considering some of the fan base is so dumb about right. that so diversity. Right. So I I think that the this particular the way they're like adding all these new characters from like even some of the the weird reaches of Marvel, which we knew they were going to do, because what haven't they done is kind of the question at this point. But the way they're doing it is really fun, and, like, they're getting the right actors, they're getting the right writers for the most part, and, you know, it, it's working out. Yeah. So, like, last year was kind of bonkers, because we got four movies across, like, five or six months. Because mm-hmm. it was Eternals and then Spider-Man No Way Home, like, after Shang-Chi. Like I think Eternals was November and Spider Man was December, and so Eternals it's... is the weird one I think. Aside from, you know the the down the downward slope I would say of Black Widow. Like Eternals is a weird one that a lot of people will, like go back and forth on. I I walked away from it. It might it might be my favorite or second favorite movie of the phase actually. And some of it is because it's just so different from the rest of the MCU mm-hmm. in general because it's a it's like a it's a big event scaled down into like a family drama yep yeah i really liked that i also just liked how it ended it gave me like very dungeons and dragons vibes at the very oh yeah i was like okay we're going space D &D." literally like arthurian even in the action department that one character i don't here's the problem with eternals is you're introduced to like 12 people all at once the one who's the fast one that whole fight scene was awesome. It is awesome. Yes. I yeah, love... She was a very cool speedster. I love mm-hmm. seeing how different directors and different movies uh, tackle, handling, visualizing speed. Yeah. That's a fascinating topic. Because there's so many different ways to do it, and there's been some really solid examples in recent years, like Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. <laughs> Has two He's of the so most funny. has two of the most amazing scenes in all of superhero comic book movies, and they both go to the same character in the same franchise. And they, I are... think that was spoofed in like Family Guy or something too. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're sort of like, well, how? What are they going to do next? You know, you know, in Justice League, the Flash does some really cool stuff with with speed, and then the Eternals True. visualizes it in yet another amazing and fun way. But I just really like Eternals because you just sort of have this like expansive cast this like ensemble of different characters just trying to figure out life and they're having Mm -hmm. these like in-depth conversations and like it's weird in an mcu movie to like suddenly be talking about philosophy and like Mm -hmm. why aren't we allowed to get involved and help these people like like, why can't we do this? What does being a hero mean? Well, the Avengers exist. They don't need us. Yeah, but the, now the Avengers kind of don't exist. Maybe they do need us. And like, and they do that for three hours. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's a long movie. <laughs> but it's, it's also fascinating when you look at that director's previous movies. You have no right. idea mm-hmm. how she got the ticket because, like, her like her movie that got, like, a bunch of accolades award season prior to this was a movie about a woman who worked at a mine and when the mine yeah when the mine died the mining town died and the mine owned all the property so she couldn't live in her house anymore but she didn't have any money saved up either so she ended up like she ends up living in her van and becoming a part of this like nomadic culture in america the film is nomad land i think yes and it's Mm -hmm. it's a fascinating movie and i loved it 
And so you sort of like, how did this movie convince the Mar? <laughs> like the fact that Marvel pegged her like, hey, you're winning a bunch of movie awards. You want to make a superhero movie? <laughs> And you want to make a weird one? <laughs> well, I think yeah. it was... Could you th- imagine that pitch to her? Like, hey. Yeah. I think it was probably more to do with, this is the movie. Okay, you want me? This is the one I want to make. And they were like, okay. <laughs> it's kind of like how James Gunn got in on it, right? Like, he was like, all right, if I'm going to be a part of this, I want the Guardians, and y'all can't touch it. I want to <laughs> do it my way. And he did, and it worked, right? The number of times I watch a movie, I'm like, wow, that was really good. And I, at, at during the credits, I see directed or written by James Gunn. I'm like, oh, no wonder I liked it. He's pretty good. But at- I don't know if he's like a standout filmmaker, but he's very good at what he does, <laughs> which is really good, like comic characters. Yeah. But then following the Eternals sort of odd place, we get Spider-Man No Way Home, which is probably the biggest release of last year. And this is the surefire easy win, right? Like, this is the fan service movie. It connects people over, like, 20 to 30 years of film history. The Slam dunk. The rumor mill yeah. around this movie was so intense, too. It was really funny. Yeah. Andrew Garfield kind of spilled the beans. <laughs> well, I think. Well, no, it was, like, literally, like, there was a picture of him that No, wait, circulated. wasn't it Tom Holland? Didn't it he was spoil it again? Because he spoiled yeah, that, the one before it, too. Right, yeah, he keeps doing this. and people, He's just a little guy. He's a young, no, younger, yeah. younger actor, and he's, like, so excited, and he forgets. Because <laughs> it was Garfield who, every time, like, are you in the new Spider-Man movie? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, my life is crazy. I'm Spider-Man. I'm Dayton Zendaya. Like, <laughs> everybody loves us. <laughs> and Garfield is, Andrew Garfield is just playing it straight and playing it cool not letting anyone Mm -hmm. in but being in the theater opening night when you see toby mcguire and andrew garfield and tom holland all like like when they first appeared it was end game levels of cheering Mm -hmm. like it was like i was on the fence because i was gonna wait until like tuesday to go see the movie for five dollars and i'm like I don't know if I can wait till Tuesday. And yeah, because I, I couldn't go for whatever reason, and me and you went again. Yeah, I went again with you later. But opening night, I jumped in with some friends that were going, and it was so much fun to be in that theater with a group of people hyped to see it. You know, people cheered when Matt Murdock showed up and, you know, said his line, I'm a really good lawyer. And, right. you know, you you got this moment where these three heroes – are trying to figure out how to work together and interact with one another. And they're like, wait, this, you know, the conversations about, wait, the web doesn't come out of you. Like, no, we got to make our own. (laughs) (laughs) That whole movie was done about as well as you would hope. I think there's a, you could still sit down and nitpick it. Right. But at the end of the day, it was made for fans of these Spider-Man movies Mm -hmm. in probably the best way you could imagine that. Like it was really fun. All the villains came back. The way that the Green Goblin came back. Oh my gosh. Like, Willem Dafoe killed it. He's Willem so Dafoe good. kills Scary. everything that he does, though. He is so good. He's so but good. he's, like, kind of a ridiculous, like, over-the-top, you know, comic book character in the in the other movie. But in this one, he's, like, genuinely terrifying and a threat. While also being an over-the-top comic book villain. Right, while still not losing that, like, slightly off-kilter edge to him. But... Yeah. 
this was this was definitely this like standout movie in phase four and like it also like kind of addressed a lot of the fan criticism about mcu spider-man which is oh he's just tony stark too you know mm-hmm. he's you know he's supposed to be down on his luck and poor and he's got access to like an iron man suit basically and money behind him and like the end of spider-man no way home soft resets peter parker Mm -hmm. he has nothing and nobody he is your everyday neighborhood spider-man and you know like there's the the showing of he's making his own suit from scratch again and He's got a like a crappy New York City apartment that he can barely afford, but the world literally forgot him because of Wahoo Strange Magic. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's a really touching moment because you get so attached to Ned and Mary Jane. Yeah, and when he makes the choice to let them go, it's kind of heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It it's it was a great movie. I've seen it multiple times since it you know, multiple times in theaters and multiple times since it came out on blu-ray i still need to pick up yep. my own copy because i was watching yours i do have a copy i was about ready to say one of us has this it thing. was yours <laughs> yeah. but yeah i i loved it i was happy for the meme the... <laughs> yeah that's fun did i show you guys the other uh i was at goodwill the other day and either a staff member or a customer has a sense of humor and had come across three or I think it's just two, but it was two Spider-Man action figures and had them standing and pointing at each other. Hilarious. <laughs> and I'm like, I see you. But this, I think, out of all of Phase Four, are the most is the most fun. Mm-hmm. Like it is the cheering in the theater, being a fan. Like the entire production is just connecting the dots and making cool moments. And being funny and like this is the easy win. If you like comic books, if you like Spider Man, this is the one to watch. Yeah. Then there was like a a long break, and I think it was because it got delayed a couple months. But next was Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And we're still talking movies. Yeah, just movies. Yep. I, yeah, I think we'll, while this is all happening, there's shows running in between. Yeah. And I think we'll just kind of quickly go through the TV shows because we're already like yeah. making this a long episode. Well, sure. But I want to get through the movies at the very least because those are like the more, I guess, general They're the key audience. points of everything. They're the general right. audience, mm-hmm. target audience sort of thing. And then like the TV shows. Which is shows. weird because Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness really assumes that you have seen WandaVision. It's true. It really does assume you've seen WandaVision. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also really liked this movie because I l- have loved this phase for the fact that they've been messing around with the genre. Yes. We've gotten been a, playing with their format, a spy movie, a martial arts movie, a family drama. And now we're getting horror. It was really cool. It was. <laughs> there were times in that movie where I was like, oh, like you were there. <laughs> Black, I jumped. <laughs> Black, Black Bolt bl- exploding his own brain is one of, like, it's stuck in my head. I cannot This is another big fan win, too, because Sam Raimi came back to direct this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because the, the, the scene, that, the one that stood out to me was when they cut um, Captain Britain. 
Yeah. Is that? Oh, yeah. In half with the shield? I was like, Captain Ooh. Carter. Captain Carter. Mm-hmm. I was yep. like, wow, that... That whole sequence that would was happen. crazy, and we'll touch on all that in our like favorite moments, which but you might have to condense. We get uh, Charles Xavier, and when, yeah. he, when, he, when he appears, you get just the stinger of the 90s animated car- cartoon so theme. That's I loved sort of, that. Like, just sort of like <laughs> coming in. As really he, faint in the background. Like, if you weren't paying attention, you'd miss it. You and I caught it right away, but they were like, oh, that was it. But, that was another really fun one. But you know, like I think Elizabeth Ol- Olsen killed it, being like She's the scary. monster of the movie, like crashing, yeah. like the the tunnel chase sequence is genuinely frightening. Uh, that bit where she comes out of the mirror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, an anecdote about this movie uh, is my my sister in law has started getting into the MCU, and I hadn't seen it yet, but she see she i see her and she's like oh i went and saw we went and saw the new doctor strange movie and i'm like oh what'd you think of it and she's like i hated it it's possibly the worst movie i've ever seen in my entire life i'm like really why is that she's and she said no one told me it was going to be scary and i went oh you don't know who sam raimi is (laughs) (laughs) and then when you told me that story we were both like like, oh this is gonna be great yeah i can't wait i can't wait to see this movie (laughs) Yeah, we gotta go to the theater now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I really really liked this movie. We got some really cool visual effects that I I was expecting because the first Doctor Strange movie has some amazing visual effects because True. you're dealing with like reality bending like illusion magic and things and it's just really cool. We get zombie Doctor Strange and a really Long like thrown off a cliff a couple times. Yep. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We get a really like powerful moment of like motherhood and like you get this sort of like interesting moment where two different versions of Wanda are speaking to each other and that I think that scene is really really powerful but again you really should watch WandaVision before you come into this because it gives you the context behind why the Scarlet Witch is even called the Scarlet Witch because she she doesn't attain the title of Scarlet Witch until the end of WandaVision and right. that's where she like creates these children for herself, which and sort of creates like a bubble dimension. <laughs> yeah, but when you watch, when you finish watching Multiverse of Madness, it sort of puts a new tone on WandaVision and makes WandaVision mm-hmm. scarier. Yeah, WandaVision it's a little is more terrifying. Menacing. She took over <laughs> it's like weird man, <laughs> a couple hundred people and made them mm-hmm. like puppet her own reality. So. It's a like the Scarlet Witch's character in particular is the most psychological, I think, in this phase. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, this one's fun, and I got a little more teary-eyed than I expected. I I really really liked this one. My criticism of it is it feels like it w- was supposed to be longer and then was cut down into a shorter movie because the villain I think is really compelling. Yeah, but we don't get enough of him. But the villain doesn't do anything because mm-hmm. they don't give him enough screen time to do anything. And he it's, shows up. He's like, "Hey, I've got your kids now, and I've got an evil spooky sword." Yeah, when come when, and get me. <laughs> when he picks up the sword, is one of the coolest D and D moments, and like it's just this cursed blade 
that turns him into like a god killer is just really really cool people who are into weaponry will love this movie there's some really cool stuff <laughs> when he's trying to talk to the hammer I, all i love thor as a character out of all the characters aside from maybe obviously tony stark because he has such a dynamic like arc in in these movies i love the way they've handled thor and they always make him just a little bit different but you know and then we we the big thing in in thor love and thunder is jane foster as the mm -hmm. mighty thor so yes. natalie portman re returns in this movie as jane foster she wasn't in ragnarok at all it kind of seemed like she might have been done with the MCU in general. And it sounded like it was because they weren't giving her anything to do. And that, those aren't the kinds of characters she likes to play. Right. So she killed it in this. Come to Thor Love and Thunder and she's jacked. She's, and also sick. <laughs> she's amazing. Like she does some really cool stuff. And, like, and I mean physically ill. Like she plays two different roles. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> but she <laughs> she like uses Mjolnir in different ways than Thor has up to that point. I love that bit. The whole connection of her to the hammer and how she uses it and how it's evolved since he's used it. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. It's it's a really fun movie that I think may have suffered at the hands of like corporate side of they were like oh you can't show this or do this because at this point i'm a fan of the director taika waititi yeah and it really no, great it really feels like there's something missing in this movie and i it's all on mm -hmm. the villain side and it makes me wonder if maybe he accidentally made him too scary maybe but outside of him kidnapping some children to lure thor well he maybe kills some asgardian in that village attack yeah like but they it's sort of like Thor comes along after it's happened and mm -hmm. you don't sort of like, like even the other gods don't feel threatened by him at all because he hasn't gotten there. I think this movie is the most messy out of the phase four. Yeah, I would agree yeah. with that. This is the one that I felt like I could skip the most and not miss anything for the content of phase four. That's fair. I mean, they kind of just, like, inject a character. Thor gets a daughter at the end. And the goats, I ca cannot stand. It was funny the first time. I love the goats. They're great. I was also trying to watch it in bed, like, shortly after I had gotten COVID, in he like, with a pair of headphones on. And so all I hear is the goats screaming, and I'm like, ah, like, trying to turn it down. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that won't happen again. And then it does, like, eight times. I think I actually went and saw every single movie in theaters. I saw all of them, but Thor, Love, and Thunder. Most of these I saw with you, too, which is yeah. another reason why me and you kept doing this is because, you know, we would hang out, have a Jack and Coke, and watch Marvel yep. anytime something new came out. And that was a really enjoyable part of this experience is finding somebody to just geek out about this stuff with. Absolutely. And then most recently, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I don't know how to feel about this one yet. I liked a lot of it. But I get why people are kind of, like, very critical about what occurs in it. There's a, th so the highlights are is I think it does an excellent job of paying respects to Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. I, I also fully admit that I'm probably not the key person that should be speaking on this film in particular. Because this film and these characters definitely have more of an impact, I am sure, in the African-American communities 
and there's plenty of other content creators out there who would speak to this better than than me specifically and the same for me as well um i guess the one reason why i might be more qualified is i've read a lot of the black panther comics sure so i i understand the source material a little bit more but outside of that do not consider me an authority on the subject of black panther but narratively black panther does something that's really difficult to do it tries to tell the story of a nation in a very character driven genre of superhero movies it's not about black panther it's about wakanda and the and by uh, extension the underwater city right and and so like it's trying to tell the story of these two nations how they're the same and how they're different and why there's conflict and that's really difficult to pull off because a nation isn't a character Mm -hmm. and so there's moments in this movie where they're definitely character moments like when shuri puts on takes on the mantle of black panther and puts on the suit for the first time should feel better than it does and it's because nothing because we're so focused on the story of wakanda we're not as focused on shuri and so when that happens it's not as triumphant of a moment and we have the same problem with riri williams who is ironheart who is sort of this like like poor teenager genius working or going to school and building her own basically iron man suit Mm -hmm. and when she fires up her fully realized suit for the first time i'm like this is really cool and i love the suit design but i'm not emotion i'm not on an emotional high at the same time as this character is we just didn't get to know her well enough yeah we didn't get enough moments where she got to be her character she was very much a side part of this entire story we talked about this over the phone when we first uh watched this because me and joe like live in separate places now so i went and saw it locally to me and vice versa um but the best moment in this film is whenever she replicates the the heart-shaped herb to be try to become the black panther yep which has got some layers to this is the coolest part of the entire thing it's got layers because she tried to do this to save uh t'challa from the sickness that he was suffering from the character right and he was dying and she's like if i can replicate this herb maybe that'll be enough to heal him and she fails yeah she later gets to do that again after all this struggle where people are like who's gonna be the black panther you should probably be the black panther well, we you there, have there is no connection. black panther because the flower we use culturally to make the black panther no longer exactly. exists because so what War- does the black panther even mean now yeah warmonger destroyed all of it killmonger or killmonger destroyed all of it and so we can't we we have to synthetically recreate it and she doesn't do it so she finally agrees to accept the mantle after great duress from this uh atlantean style um aztec sort of underwater mermaid group right i can't remember the name of the city for the life of me but But, um, namor is the 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 like i guess namor the submariner he's not really a He's not really a villain, but he's definitely the antagonist. He is a power that yeah. exists in the world that is dangerous because of how he is he views uh, the world positioned himself and yeah. how he views everybody else. But so Shuri eventually says, I'm going to be the Black Panther, but if I'm going to do it, I need to try to do this herb again. Yeah. And so she's encouraged by the women around her. She does it. It works. Well, and she goes so to the ancestral f- plane. Yeah. So if you're familiar with the first movie, when T'Challa, the, the couple of times he uses it because they take it away and give it back to him after he proves himself, uh, 
each time he goes to the ancestral plane and sees his father. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of the and then uh, same thing for Killmonger. He sees his father and his ancestors. When Shuri does it, she's of course expecting to see her father, or her mother, or T'Challa, or T'Challa. Mm-hmm. and instead she sees Killmonger. Which is such a great detail because you expect all those other characters. Yep. Part of me was kind of hoping that it was T'Challa because I did want to see him one more time. And obviously for, you know, him passing, like they probably didn't have much film of him. They use what film they have to make for some really compelling like flashback moments and stuff and, you know, promotional things at the start of the movie and that sort yep. of stuff. But um, it, it was a really powerful moment because now Killmonger is like, oh, you're coming to see me. Which she's, means you're about to hurt somebody. And she's like in denial about it too. And he's like, no, no, I see I see right through you. You're just like mm-hmm. me. You're mad. You're pissed. What was it that you said? You want to burn down the world. Which is interesting because now it puts Shuri in an even like more complicated part in the entire MCU storyline, right? Because now she's accepted this Black Panther, but we know that she's not fully matured yet as far as like what her place in the world is. And so all of that is up in the air by the end. Yeah. And thankfully we do get closure for her and her connection to her brother. Yeah. And so, and then I think another highlight of the movie, I think Namor is really intriguing as a character. He, I like him. He's, I think he's fun. He's placed himself not as just a leader of his people, but as a literal God to his people. And, he takes on the mantle Kuku Khan, and, which is the serpent. And M'Baku, who is... <laughs> I love him. One of my favorite characters in the MCU is like the this guerrilla tribal leader in Wakanda. And a lot of people, I think, look down on him for being like, expect him to be an idiot. But he's like full of wisdoms. And at one point he's talking to Shuri and because Shuri's talking about killing this person. And he's, M'Baku is like, hmm. If we kill this man, did you not hear what they called him? They called him God. If we make their God dead, do you think there's any closure for this conflict? Is there any resolution that's not complete wasteland or death, basically? I'm paraphrasing. But I love M'Baku's sort of like, sort of stepping into the older brother role in replace of T'Challa. Because I liked him in the first movie, and to fa- see him more in this movie is just great. I hope he gets the bigger role in, in Wakanda storylines moving forward, because, you know, by the end, he does attempt to... He makes the challenge. He's like, I want to be king of Wakanda. So, so I liked, I'm looking forward to I liked the movie. I liked the movie a lot, but in the end, I, I like I said, narratively it tried to tell the story of a nation rather than a character, and I think it's, it's weaker because of that, because that is extremely difficult to do. I think that's why a lot of people mm-hmm. don't like Final Fantasy twelve as much. Right. It's very political. Yeah. Um so that that's all the Great movie. I'm sure other folks will like it more than than some of us. Like it'll be a deeper connection for especially the African American communities. So I, I think just quickly just like I guess just say one thing you liked about each of the T V shows and then we'll go into our our phase four highlights. <laughs> WandaVision harkens back to a lot of classic TV and fun, creative ways. Oh, each yeah. episode, every each episode being like a different era of television was mm-hmm. they nailed it. Super fun. Very, very fun to watch week by week, which not all of these are. What about you, Zach? Um, 
do you remember WandaVision? It was a while ago already. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a while. Uh, it, I I loved the uh, the the horror side of it where you could see everybody knew what was going on and were mm-hmm. like trapped inside themselves. So anytime you got to peek into that, like you got to peek into like it's not just this; it's kind of like scary. Uh, Speaking of horror, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier had an oh shit moment whenever that uh, Captain America stand-in, I forget his name, uh, killed a guy with the shield. And, oh, and yeah. you see the blood splatter up on the shield? Yeah. One of the craziest moments in this entire like situation. I think uh, the like one of the big things for me was him having that conversation. When Falcon is having that conversation with the veteran... He's like, I'm a super soldier, but you ain't going to see me out there being stars and stripes. I'm done. They destroyed me and they did it without permission. Like kind of hearkening back to like sort of addressing the fact that the United States isn't always the good guy. They've done some really, really terrible things. Like and I I think it at parallel, like the story in Falcon and Winter Soldier and talking to that veteran and the way that African-American soldiers were treated during World War II, Vietnam, and all those situations parallels real historical events with things like MK Ultra. Yes. There's a lot of really good symbolism and good character moments. That It's just, Falcon and Winter Soldier might be the most cohesive thing in, in the television shows. Like, it has a start, it has an end, it is very compelling throughout the entire thing, and by the end of it, we get, you know the new captain america yeah and it's such an amazing moment and you 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 also have this tension between winter soldier and falcon because falcon gave up the shield and that really pissed him off that really pissed off mm-hmm. winter soldier because he was like steve gave you the shield yeah sam wilson played yeah. by anthony mackie yeah uh absolutely fantastic cannot wait to see him in more things yep Yes. Uh, next is Loki. I think is just full fun. of just very fun, and by the end of it, you see some of the most compelling performances in the MCU, particularly with Kang. Yeah, I loved it. I have a couple different reasons I loved it, but I really, I really liked Loki a lot. Owen Wilson was also a lot of fun. Uh, Jonathan my, my Majors. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Majors is the actor who plays Kang, and he's got this great monologue. I, I love Majors in a lot of things. He's fantastic in Lovecraft Country. So good. And so it was, like, really shocking to see this villain character step in, give us this very, like, broad scope of the entire Marvel, like, inner workings, and then being, like, a very um, compelling actor to the point where you really just can't look away. Like, it was fantastic. Loki almost kissing himself. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I think um, he does, doesn't he? I don't. Remember. I can't remember. It's been there was a Gator Loki that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's just like that performance, of like Kang's speech, literal shivers. Mm-hmm. I was just like, whoa, like in yeah. like enraptured. I couldn't take my eyes off the performance. I it was hanging on every word he said. Uh, I almost wish that Phase Four ended with Ant Man and the Wasp rather than uh, Wakanda Forever. Because I think having Kang, like, be there and kind of, like, be a really bad dude and, and beat the the villains, like, ending on a loss, I think, at the end of Phase 4 would have been really cool. 
I can see that. True. Next is kind what... of like when the Power Rangers lose their powers in one of the seasons. Next is What If, which I love because I've always been sort of a fan of like What If stories. Like one of the first yeah. comic books I ever bought was Flashpoint, which is mm-hmm. What If the Flash went back in time and saved his mom, and how would that impact the world? Well, you know, it impacts the world a lot apparently, and I love that sort of exploration of of one shots and ideas and stories and letting writers creatively explore different options. And what if was a lot of fun? I I don't know if I would call it actually a part of the MCU. Mm, we see flavors of it in a couple productions. Like uh, we see characters pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Captain Carter in multiverse of madness. And because we're in this multiverse state now, yeah. like anything could be a part of the MCU. Right. And, and so that, it, was, it, it was fun. The watcher was cool, but it is animated. And so that sort of sets it apart. But, you know, you get to see things like wild, like wild stories. Like what if T'Challa was Star-Lord? I love that one the most. That, oh, one that was, was really so fun. fun. I've got the Thanos is hilarious. I've got that. the Lego minifig of. Yeah. Thanos being big party bro was very, <laughs> yeah. very, very silly. Yeah. I I loved Thanos' character in that. In what particular. are you crazy? No, I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the zombies finally, and Super that cool. will like continue either into a show or another cartoon or something. But the the cool thing about What If is it you know it plays around with the idea that most comic readers have had since the like 30s, right? Like, oh, what if Superman was a bad guy or you know whatever yeah. like we've always been asking these questions and it's cool to see people play around with that in this fashion if you've ever and read the toys are cool out of this i would highly recommend reading superman red sun which explores yeah. the idea of what if he landed in russia instead of the united states mm-hmm. and how that impacts the dc universe uh but what if was a lot of cool fun stuff. uh not quite as compelling as anything else but it's a fun exploration of ideas and storytelling it was like Star Wars Visions. It was just a cool way to play around with these properties. Absolutely. And then uh, Hawkeye. I didn't like this one. I thought it was fucking hilarious. But I, I thought it was hilarious for the same reasons I thought Venom was hilarious. Mm, the new Venom or the old one? Uh, uh, the Tom the sequel Hardy. with Carnage? Just both. Okay, because the Carnage one I find very funny. <laughs> Uh, I really liked the introduction to Kate Bishop and kind of becoming the new Hawkeye and setting up that character. I thought she was really entertaining and a good, like, counter to old man grumpy Hawkeye. Yeah. I just feel like I've seen these specific characters done in more interesting ways. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's very middle of the road Marvel for me because it's really just about Hawkeye and Kate. And technically the kingpin, I guess, and a couple villains. The villain was cool, actually. Now that I think about it, it was a, it was the deaf woman, I think. Yeah, um, I don't know if she has like a, like her character has a name, but I don't know if she's like rooted in comics, really. I... Yes, she is, but I don't remember oh. her name. But we get because she was something different. We get some <laughs> really fun interaction with Yelena from Black Widow. True. Kingpin shows up. Like, D'Onofrio's Kingpin from Daredevil, which is, if you want to talk about amazing performances, D'Onofrio's Kingpin in Daredevil, season three, I think it is, is so incredibly, like, menacing. I believe it. I would would highly recommend it. it. 
it paints Kingpin great. He's a very good Kingpin. Not only does he look like him, he like plays Kingpin very well. I mean, I think there's it's kind of like as somebody who understands kind of like how fiction is developed, right? Like the Kingpin as a general framework of being just a mob boss, there's a lot you could do with that. And so they it's kind of an open canvas and it's interesting that they were able to craft like a really well done mob boss, even though at the end of the day, Kingpin is just a big dude who's a mob boss who's kind of strong. Yeah. So next up was Moon Knight, which is I think the one that I didn't like as much. Uh, I thought it started strong, and then by the end, I was like, oh, okay. The visuals of the Egyptian stuff was really cool, and there's some interesting like psychology work at play with uh, Moon Knight himself. Yeah, like I didn't dislike it, but. Mm-hmm. It wasn't one that I walked away from being like, that was incredible. It was like, I watched the finale and I was like, oh, that could have used some ironing. Yeah, I loved it up until like the ending. I did not feel like it ended strong. I but, it, Like a lot of these characters that are new, I can't wait to see where they go next. Yeah, I think that's going to be the big, if they're going to be good or not, is what happens next. Funny enough, I'm the most familiar with Moon Knight's source material than any of these other comic book characters because I got an omnibus that had this like origin curated collection on the cheap when we were in college. So I like I read all of it, and so I, I at least knew where we were going and the general like w- things to expect. So it was a really weird watch for me personally. Uh, next was Miss Marvel, which might be my personal favorite. I it's got a lot of good stuff going for it. There's a yeah. lot of things about it that I I loved in sort of seeing this like we have this culture now in the MCU where people are fans of mm-hmm. in real world superheroes. And Kamala Khan is an adorable like teenage girl who's trying to find her way in the world and then kind of becomes a superhero. And how that happens like how do you vi- like how do you deal with that in a world where the superheroes already exist and are examples to you? Right? And you live in the digital era where social media and like constant connection is a thing too. Yeah. Which this show in particular does the best work of texting and film that I've ever seen. It's incredible. Like when she I love it. When she's like mm-hmm. walking across this crosswalk and the as she's walking past it the crosswalk is revealing what she's texting or like the neon lights light up and it's the texting conversation as it's happening. They got, it's really clever, super creative. And then also it was fascinating seeing like, like middle Eastern. And I think is Iran. Mm, Pakistan. I think so. But seeing like, again, one of these situations where I'm probably not the best person to speak on how this feels to somebody of like Islamic faith, right? Right. And how that connects. But seeing how a like a, a faith and a culture I'm not familiar with impacts even things like the costume design. Mm-hmm. And oh, how costuming was so good. And how like how they are connected to their community and how their community gets treated. Mm-hmm. And how like how important it is to 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 be above board in that situation because you make a mistake and they'll send a whole team of secret agents to to your school to get you right not only that but this particular show really harpens on the fact that like representation matters in fiction and pop culture probably more than you would expect 
Um, there's a lot of great moments where they're like, oh, now we have a superhero and we're here to support you. And by the end, it's the community coming together that really pushes Kamala Khan forward. Yep. And then once that is done, she's like, okay, now I have my community behind me. Where do I go from here? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do next. I also loved Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel in the Avengers Square Enix game. Which yeah, is, she's the best part. <laughs> yeah, she, you know, it, it mostly follows her through that story, and I, I think she's a really good tie-in to like that whole story. I like the character overall. She's a highly celebrated character. Her debut in the in Marvel, it was really highly praised. I think she might be the she's new, a new character. She's too. the newest mm-hmm. character in the MCU in terms of like re, like their debut in comics. Like, yeah. she's a relatively recent character. Iman um, Villani, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but she's really, really fun in the show. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, and then, finally, probably one of the most entertaining shows, because yep. every episode was just great, is She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. This is my favorite one as a television show, because it, it has this serialized component to it, it's a courtroom drama, so every episode or two, you've got a new court case to deal with. And, like, She-Hulk is hilarious. I oh. absolutely love this character and this actress. She I was... love her fourth wall breaking, too. Yep. It is. It was super good. It was, it was hilarious to me that people were like, I can't believe they're copying Deadpool. And, like, it, she's so cringe. And people were like, actually, she did it before Deadpool. Like, mm-hmm. she, like fourth wall breaking has been a part of She-Hulk's character from the beginning. And she precedes Deadpool by, like, a few years. And I absolutely adore Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. And he's in the first episode. And he's <laughs> so much fun. And Love how like, her like... whole becoming a Hulk was a lot of fun. Uh, Madison, the Abomination, Wong, <laughs> that one magic guy. Like, there's so many hilarious moments. I mean, arguably the most unbelievable part of this entire show that is just kind of like a weird knock against it is that there's a running plot line where people don't want to sleep with Jennifer Wal- Walters, and I think they're dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, she holds hot, and so is jennifer her human counterpart they're both fantastic and i i love all of her little character moments and like the way she carries herself in either stage and how those two lines eventually intersect like i am very much looking forward to more of the she hulk serialized stories and it's another great start for a character in the mcu i think yeah and then the last like that's the last tv show but one more thing is, mm-hmm. a, is included in the MCU. I don't know how it's going to fit in overall, but it's like a special project. Werewolf by Night. This should eventually connect with Moon Knight. Okay. Oh, that's right, because his 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 debut was in a Werewolf by Night. I think so. Comic, I think. But I was genuinely surprised. I wasn't sure what to expect going into this. I thought the trailer was pretty cool, but mm-hmm. this really like pulled into like old monster movies messed around with color it, like all the actors you could tell were having fun acting in a different style of acting much more like more theater 
The Dr- visuals are really good too, by it's, the way. Like the the swamp monster. I don't even know what he's man called. Thing. Like I tried man thing. Man thing. Okay. He's man thing. I kept searching for swamp thing and getting the DC guy. Nope. Yeah. He's man thing. Man thing is so cool. But he's got a regular name though. His name's like Herbert or something. In this, right? <laughs> I can't remember what what he calls him, but yeah, it's... Jeff. I don't know, I but I remember. like this one a lot, man. It's creative. It's fun. It's weird. Ted is what they called him. Ted. Um, yeah, no, I'm really excited for it because it also lays some groundwork for them to pinch, uh, potentially like open up into the Dark Suns. Mm, which we are getting a game of here pretty soon, right? That's true. We are, and some of the early iterations have a lot of the characters that are in universe right now. Uh, Dark MCU. Sun or Midnight Suns? Midnight Suns, sorry. Okay, I'm like, mm. Dark Sun, I Dark think Dark Sun's the game. Dark, That's a D&D thing. Dark Sun is a setting in Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> That's where I'm getting it confused. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mid- Midnight Suns. Midnight Suns. <laughs> no, I was just like, wait, I think the game's called Midnight Suns. Oh, wait, are these the same thing? Or is there also a Dark Sun thing? So I just wanted to clarify before we got dragged through the internet. Yeah, but no, like I, I think it lays a good groundwork for that and like Dark Avengers, like not mm-hmm. like it's starting to like edge into the 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 more darker, edgier side of things. Which comics has always had, and Marvel has some of the most graphic stuff I have ever seen in media. Yes, and I feel like they're feeling it's safe enough to put their foot in the water rather than just dip a toe. So, Which, funnily enough, as we have this conversation, some big moves have made, been made over at Disney where, like, a former CEO came back. I don't know the details, but a lot of people are like, oh, animation might be, like, back on track at Disney, and oh, we might get this project now because that guy's gone. Yeah, people so. who work at the parks were glad... Because he kind of Bob Chopek or whatever his name is, like they're both Bob. Yeah. They both have the same first and pretty much the same middle name. But, it's both Alan, just misspelled different. But yeah, people people were kind of glad about it that work for Disney. So we'll see what happens. And it happened like on a Sunday. Like the news broke on a Sunday, so it's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. It was weird. But enough about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's quickly. We should rattle off real quick some yeah. of our favorite moments. Top five f- moments in Phase Four, and I'll just I'll just start it off. We're just sure. quickly going through the list. The three Spider-Mans in Spider-Man No Way Home coming together in that hero shot where they're swinging around each other, and there's that like slow mo of them like their silhouettes are clear, and they like you can see the the stylization of each suit being clearly like on display. That like all of these are Spider-Man. That was such an exciting moment to see in theaters with a crowd. Uh, I agree. Second is Kang the Conqueror and Loki. I, I've mentioned mm-hmm. a couple times that that, that yep. final monologue is that he does is amazing. Number three for me is Wholesome Dads. Miss Marvel, surprisingly, Miss Marvel and She Hulk both had some of the most wholesome dads I've ever seen in TV, and they're like, you know, like when you're when your daughter is She Hulk. But you're like, I'll take care of them for you, honey. Like, <laughs> like or meanwhile, the mom's like, hey, can you move the fridge? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, like some of the conversations that Kamala Khan has with her dad and the struggles she has with getting along with her mother. And like, like there's that this moment where like, you know, we're, you know, our family's been through a lot to come to America and we want we went through all this and it that's sort of where all of this comes from jacked natalie portman as mighty thor did it for me i was ooh. <laughs> i was like yes like damn it wouldn't surprise me if they were like 
hey we want you to come back as jane foster and you'll get to we'll, we'll we're gonna do the mighty thor and i wouldn't be surprised if you'd be like can i get jacked you can get jacked and she's like all right i'm in sold <laughs> and then finally the fight where scarlet witch faces off against the illuminati in the multiverse of madness is such a different kind of fight just overwhelmingly powerful mm-hmm. like against like sudden violence it's really brutal yeah really cool scene it's intense all right Alex. so a lot of mine align with you so i have listed you know kane uh kang's monologue which stunning piece of actor performance uh the spider-man's coming together was really cool not only because it had all those great shots of the spider-man's kind of bringing our like deepest fantasies as fans of this weird association with licenses being tossed around but it also had all the villains too and i've always loved spider-man villains and all of them were awesome and fun uh zombie doctor doctor strange is one of the most metal cool things i've seen in a long time i want a statue of that so bad (laughs) like all the skeletons and stuff oh it's cool man and all the monsters and stuff. I, I'm a really big fan of monsters. You all know I, I'm into Godzilla and like Resident Evil and all this stuff. So to see that in the context of Doctor Strange, which is a character I'm kind of like, eh, on, that was really something. Uh, Jane Foster becoming Thor. For me, it was the emotional connection. Her having cancer and trying to like figure out how she's going to live the last few years of her life and then realizing that she has this new calling as Thor and being able to make a difference with those last few years, that is really powerful storytelling. The rest of the movie is kind of like fun, haha meme stuff, but Portman's character specifically, I think, is really good. And then uh, the Dragon Ball Z element has been leaking its way into the MCU this phase, and we see this in both the Eternals and in Shang-Chi. Uh, the, the, flat, the speedster fight and then also the final fight have a lot of DBZ influences, and then uh, lastly for me, I really enjoyed the, like, big Indian productions that we've watched, like RRR and and uh, Bahubali. Like, bo- all of those movies have been a lot of fun for, like, me and Joe to sit down and watch and, like, share with people. Like, oh, check out these incredible films. And a lot of those films have these really elaborate dance numbers. And while it's not as, like, expertly done as those movies, the dance section in Eternals is just a blast. And so those are my favorite moments so far in the Phase 4. And, you know, seeing the the blood splatter on Captain America's shield, like, that was a really powerful moment. And there's some other stuff, but, yeah. Good stuff, this phase. Zach, lay it on us. Okay, so for me, it would be Doctor Strange uh, in anything that he's appeared in through Phase 4. Just being kind of confused, like, realizing he fucked some stuff up and he has just got a multitude of things that he has got to fix. Being like, (laughs) shit. Or being like, I didn't even know this was happening. Fuck. <laughs> what do you a... mean you want to change the spell in the middle of the spell? <laughs> For Loki, uh, A, I liked Loki a lot. Just lots of fun. But also, uh, one of my good friends, Austin Freeman, was Loki in the beginning. He was Randy, the sales clerk. Mm-hmm. Austin's okay. super good, super, super good dude. And it was, I didn't realize that he was in it until I saw it. So we had to pause and I was like, that's my fucking buddy Austin. Shit. Did you take a picture and send it to him and you're like, this you? Oh, no. I said, uh, so he's part of uh, the cast that I acted with one summer and for several months. And we're all still really tight. And I sent it in there to everybody. 
Okay. Because none of us had realized it. And I was like, I dropped it in and was like, look at this motherfucker. <laughs> but I suppose he probably couldn't talk about it until it no. was like out, right? Like, yeah. NDAs are plenty, sh- I am sure. I'm sure he had a lot. Uh, then, of course, I mentioned it earlier, but seeing the Spider-Man meme was very fun. <laughs> um, just kind of like the, the closure to each of those characters. Like getting mm-hmm. their second chance. Like, you know, Andrew Garfield's getting to save Zendaya instead of snapping her neck. Uh, we didn't gone. mention that, but that whole arc is really emotional. Like, and I definitely cried. Yeah, <laughs> tons of emotional closure. And all of that was mm-hmm. like a super highlight. Uh, Wong being kind of like cast out like, you're the new Sorcerer Supreme, but you're still the fucking side character. <laughs> Yeah, it, he's. It, it's funny how Wong's like, you're the Sorcerer Supreme. And then he's like, now I've got all this responsibility. <laughs> but he's still inviting drunk Madison to watch movies with him in the Himalayas via portal. <laughs> and now I guess he's Abomination. He's getting the Sopranos spoiled. <laughs> yeah, and I guess now the, uh, the Abomination too. Mm-hmm. So he's got a bunch of strange friends hanging out in the Himalayas with him. Uh, and then Hawkeye, I just, like I was explaining, like I liked Hawkeye a lot, like I liked Venom, because to Venom, Eddie Brock just looks exhausted, just like a beat fucking guy, he's got so mm-hmm. much going on, and he's literally got another voice in his head, just fucking just grilling him for the whole time. Now Hawkeye is old and grumpy, but he's just got Kate Bishop up his ass the whole fucking time, and he's just exhausted. Like, I want to go home and have Christmas with my fucking kids. <laughs> I'm deaf. I have a bunch of bullshit going on, and now I've basically adopted a stranger. And a dog. Can't forget <laughs> about Pizza Dog. <laughs> and Pizza Dog. Um, so yeah, those those were my highlights. That's awesome. Uh, before we, we wanted to talk some like trivia stuff, I, I do want to ask you guys, where do you think the MCU is going to go as far as major story arcs and stuff. Because I, I have a few guesses. I think we might be heading towards a World War Hulk situation, which eventually bleeds into, like, the symbiote invasion, which leads to a bunch of cool, like, you know, Wolverine as a symbiote and That's right. f- getting a symbiote. I forgot at the end of She-Hulk, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is my son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hulk shows up and it was like, it's my kid. And he's a grown ass man. <laughs> and she's just like, what? A scar or whatever his name is. Like, yep. he's basically Tarzan, only a Hulk. <laughs> yep. Boy. Um, I think they, so they've laid the threads down for a lot of different things, but they've, they've got to spend the time just like they did leading up to Endgame And like the first, even the first Avengers movie, they've got, to sort of like lay it down properly and take their time, which is why I think Phase Four can feel a bit weird coming right off of Endgame. But it's a lot. It's we've a lot got, of weird things. We've got things that are leading to like a Dark Avengers or Thunderbolt. Mm-hmm. You know, they've announced the Thunderbolts movie featuring some of those characters that have been sort of recruited into like a spec ops superhero group for the U.S. government. You've got. Um, we know that. There's something happening with Secret Invasion with all the like alien like mm-hmm. people hiding the out skulls. all over the place. Yeah, I forgot that we found a Fury's a scroll. Yeah. I forgot. So all do about we want to rattle shit. off what is actually like planned in phase five, or do we just want to speculate? No, we'll just let's just speculate. Um Okay. We've we've laid the foundation for Kang, and we know he's gonna yeah. be in uh Ant Man Quantumania. 
which is the only reason I'm excited about that, because even though the Ant-Man films have so far been kind of fun, I could care less about what Ant-Man's doing. But now that Kang's in there, I'm like, oh, but yeah. I, okay, I think it's funny because I think the writers know that yeah. because they keep being like, like they, they allude to the fact that like Ant-Man's sort of a secondary, like people like him, but they're always, they're still like, thanks, Spider-Man. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The best part of the Ant-Man stuff is his buddy that goes on long rants about everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't seen those movies in a while. I should go back and rewatch them. I probably will before Quantumania. So those are sort of the, like the three big things I think that they're they're leading to is Kang, Dark Avengers, and uh, Secret Invasion of some form. And that's sort of all we've got. They're not They're not building up. I, I think they're taking a different route. I think people were hoping for more scenes of like recruiting the next set of Avengers, but actually or we're Galactus or yeah, something, but right? we're literally yeah. seeing the recruiting of the dark Avengers. We've got this, this lady going around and being like, Hey, they, they killed, mm-hmm. they killed your sister. And if you, you jo- kill for money, <laughs> yeah, like they killed your sister. Do you want to join? Uh, you want to be on a team that you can then maybe get revenge? And Yellen is like, yeah, sure. And they're like, hey, they ostracized you for just being a hero. How about you join this group where you can be a hero again? Like they're clearly being manipulated into this. We live in a weird time, too, because we're constantly inundated with this universe because we have the the movies that are coming out like every three or four months. And then in between that, there's all these shows week by week interspersed with like star wars and whatever and so there's always like some new thing happening at disney plus but i think the big advantage of that right now is if you like haven't kept up with the mcu and you want to get into it it's all pretty readily available you don't have to like go hunting in bargain bins for dvds you can get all this stuff on mostly disney plus and if you can't get it all there like some of the spider-man movies you can get them on like youtube or a rental service pay three dollars and watch it yeah so that is our unless anybody had anything else they wanted to speculate or talk about. But I think that's our breakdown and thoughts on Phase 4 MCU and our mm-hmm. highlights. Uh, let Can't us... wait to see Venom <laughs> interacting with everybody. Yeah, oh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works out because they're going to they're gonna have to recast it. It's not going to continue being Tom Hardy. Is it not? It's just the alien, just the, just the bit the symbiote that stayed behind oh yeah oh the little like nubbin right so tom hardy got blasted back well i guess (laughs) a piece of the symbiote stayed maybe we'll just get the black spider-man arc and like peter will get it and then he'll have to fight venom it'd be wild if they waited years to do it I, it might be interesting if they do the like modern Venom arc where he's like a mercenary or whatever. There's a lot of things you could do with it, but I think as soon as you inject Venom into something, it creates like a level of chaos. And Venom in the comics right now is like really fucking metal. And I hope that we eventually get that on the silver screen in some way, shape, or form. Because he's like a death god or something now with like this sword that's like the anti-matter oblivion something or other. It's awesome. Like oh. he has wings now. It's crazy. Mutants are going to be a thing. Oh, for sure. The X-Men are coming. Like, and I think that's the like big thing we're going to get is the Phoenix in with uh, Avengers versus X-Men. We'll, yeah, we'll see. But um, Black Panther actually uses the word mutant they do it's come up maybe another time but it definitely is spoken in wakanda but they've confirmed a deadpool movie with wolverine uh, hugh jackman returning 
they very exciting so we know that we're getting something we just mm-hmm. don't know how yet or when or what or so but there's a lot yeah. there's a lot happening in the mcu overall i still like phase four but it is sort of like the middle child sort of like connecting chapter between the next big thing so it's, it's a, a lot of experimentation yeah. yeah i think the first two to three movies I'm going to say the first two. The first one's going to have to have some big shit in it, sort of like Iron Man 1 did. That laid, mm, like, for Phase 5? Yeah, that lays a lot down for the story. Cause I, I think, think they, next like, up is Ant-Man. I don't know how it's going to lay down a lot, but maybe. February. Um, well, they're, they're going to add another wrinkle to this whole multiverse, multi-universe parallel crap, so... If anything, maybe the, we'll find a villainous use for all that information. Quantum, and maybe that's what'll make Kang so scary. Quantum Mania has one of the coolest posters I've ever seen in the MCU, though. It's got a very good poster. Finally, yeah, it's not just a collage of characters. Sometimes the same character multiple times. It's like an actual like scene of like Kang holding the characters, and it's really good. Well, why don't you close us out, Alex? Hey, uh, before we get through all our rattle stuff, you should support your local comic stores and go buy yourself some comics and check out some of these stories. There's a lot of cool things happening in that medium. And support indie stores when you can. Bookstores, you know, whatever. Indie games. And speaking of games, guess what we write about a lot over at foreverclassicgames.com. That's the place you want to go. And if Twitter dies, maybe we'll be on Hive or something. I don't know, man. (laughs) Mastodon. Uh, everybody like mass exodus over the weekend to hive it's really weird how so many of my colleagues are like i'm on hive now <laughs> i don't even know if just I've heard in case of that one, but i have it, not it heard was literally hive. announced and caught fire like yesterday hmm. it was weird <laughs> i made one we have our username secured at least my two so <laughs> i should probably get i should probably get mine uh going yeah me <laughs> too maybe i can I mean, get my the, actual one in the industry that we're in, having that username, that URL, whatever, that's important. So it's probably not a bad use of your time. <laughs> but yeah, Forever Classic Games is where we're really kicking around a lot of cool stuff. Uh, we've got a video review out now for God of War Ragnarok. We also included that audio in the article. So if you're, for whatever reason, would rather listen to Justin read it, you can straight in the article. And the video version is just that audio with some really nice B-roll footage that was edited together by Reese. Uh, Marcus is still killing it over in previews. He's playing a lot of uh, betas and that sort of thing. We've got a lot of reviews in the works. I'll have updates of my how everything kind of folds into my new work situation, so I'm excited to be able to share that in full and see how we can you know, maybe collaborate on a couple projects or maybe I'll get to go to more events now. Who knows? I'm really new at this so far. But yeah, um, find us all on, on Twitter or email or join our Discord. We're all kind of running around having a lot of fun and i'm sure most of us will be playing something that you're playing join us on discord throw a couple hands in street fighter or help us catch pokemon at th- three frames per second in <laughs> scarlet and violet <laughs> <laughs> but either way it's always a blast to hang out with you guys and talk geek stuff and i'm really excited to just do more of that and i'm glad that like we get to do this as often as we do and I was also a guest on Nathan Marshan's show recently, which should be available in the coming weeks. We talked about Rampage on his Kaiju show, the uh, Monster Island podcast. So check that out as well. Um, I'm sure some of you guys have other stuff going on. Obviously, we'll have the charity thing that we're doing. Zach's working on a Minecraft server. So we're doing all sorts of cool stuff. Come hang out with us. We would love to see you. Yes. Next time. We're always around. 
you'll you'll next time you'll hear our lovely voices it'll be beginning of december and we'll be talking about our game of the year discussion that'll be an interesting discussion there's a lot of really good candidates and generally we try to like make a giant list of really good games for the year rather than picking winners uh as you know some of our colleagues and varying other outlets do the game awards will happen around that same time that'll be fun so yeah we're really excited to celebrate games with everybody at the end of the year like we usually do sweet can't wait see you next time guys